Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. And you got the full house with you this morning. You may be, and you probably are listening to us for the first time because we used to be at the 6 a.m. time slot. But we did what, Jimmy? Moved on up. Just like the Jeffersons, George and Wheezy, we moved on. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We have moved up to the 11 o'clock time slot. We've been doing this for a couple years now. But uh, now we are here at the 11 spot. To listen. And that extra sleep was nice. Oh, gosh. That's what Chris and I were talking about last week. I should look prettier than now since I'm you not just rolling out of bed look at pretty. 5 a.m. with God bags in our Always eyes. fishing. Always fishing, aren't you? Oh, my God. I wasn't fishing. <laughs> it says I'm fishing for You look golf. just as beautiful as Whatever. ever. You roll out of bed at Come 6. On. You roll out of bed at 11. Man, you you get, still look You know, good. you get me in trouble when you fish like that. Just so you know. My wife <laughs> listens to this and that she wants <laughs> to know why I flirt with Ann. Like, ah, oh, she's just fishing. <laughs> we'll get into this fishing expedition Whatever. more in a minute. Okay. <laughs> But I am your host, Michael Thayer, with Waterstone Mortgage. I am MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. And if you are listening to us for the first time, we talk about all sorts of things that's you know involved in real estate, anything that's connected to financial decisions. So you know, you could be a first-time home buyer, you could be a repeat buyer looking to downsize, you know, upsize. You want to move up like George and Wheezy, you know, we can go through all that stuff. But then we also talk about the impacts of things that, you know, sometimes it's directly with real estate and sometimes it's not. So we've talked before about lighting in a house. Mm-hmm. We've, we've had Hermitage Lighting Gallery in here talking about how do you utilize your um, builder and uh, uh, lighting packages and how do you set all that stuff up to insurance stuff that got off over into the car side of things and life insurance stuff. And then today we're going to get into homeowners association stuff as well. Uh, with Scott Gertner. He's here with us live as well. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing great. My first day on radio. You'll be totally fine. (laughs) You have a great great face for radio. Well, thank you. So for all of the new people, yes, the new ones, they should know that they can go to... Man, you're you're trying to take the words right out of my head. I'm just trying to set the table for you. You're doing an outstanding job. If you missed last week's show, we talked, actually any show at this point, we talked about, you know, the show in general, but then we went back and had a little St. Paddy's Day throwback and said, don't let your luck run out with rates and home prices going up and talked about how just the waiting, you know, if you're waiting to buy, oh, prices are going to stabilize or rates are going to get a little bit better, how that could potentially cost you at minimum $54,000 over the course of your 30-year loan. And, and how could they re-listen to that show? They go out to moneymanmike.net or out on Facebook at uh, moneymanmikeradio. So, again, moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio. We post all the, 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 the facts and the statistics and everything that go along that we put out on the show. But then on top of that, we videotape everything so you can see our little mugs and understand why we have a face. Now, now, now Andrew, was that he didn't even once say that he could go to Capitol Homes Facebook page to see these videos or yours? I think he was waiting on you to butt in. And oh, say is that what it was? Or what, I, what, he's what, fishing. What, what, what's he's yours? Fishing. What's yours? <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I haven't been able to introduce you guys yet, man. He's still he's still on his monologue. Hey, yeah. He's deep sea fishing. Hey, I'm still at six a.m. in the morning too. Yeah. Oh man, wake up. Always, man. Always. So, I won't make you follow Andrew Brewer, and Scott will figure this out really quickly. 
You have David, the builder, Lukey, our in-house residential expert. Good morning, everybody. That understands everything. Also found at CapitalIdeaHomes.com. CapitalHomeIdeas.com. Whatever. There you go. (laughs) CapitalHomeIdeas.com. There you go. Easy to find. Outstanding resource. Understands things more than, I think, the average average builder? I would say so. I I would think so. I'm older than the average builder, so I hope so. Yeah, I mean, doesn't technically have an engineering degree, but yet went to school. I know. I have an engineering degree. You just don't have a license. I'm not. A, I'm not an engineer. That's yeah. Right. So at that point, man, he can he can talk to you and help you understand things, and you can see all that as, as they're building their houses. I mean, it's outstanding. If you haven't ever viewed or looked at Capital Homes, you need to go to capitalhomeideas.com yes, yep. and check them out. Yep. And now, drum roll. I don't know. Now, see, that's not cool. <laughs> we have War Eagle in the Blow house. Me up. <laughs> AKA Arsenio Wall. There you go. <laughs> Andrew Brewer with Benchmark Realty. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good to see y'all. I feel like I haven't seen you on forever. I know. We've all you been. You haven't seen me in forever. I know. That's true. Literally forever. We yeah. just met. First day. <laughs> hey, it was the first time. But, man, this show is going to be outstanding because we're going to get into all sorts of cool stuff. And, again, if you missed anything about the previous shows, go to moneymanmike.net. Again, moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio. Today we're going to get into talking about... HOA stuff, we're going to talk about that with... What does HOA stand for, Mike? Homeowners Association. There you go. You got it. You passed your first test. Boom, done. Let's just call, call <laughs> it a day, wrap the show, Jamie. We're done. You can sit in my chair. I don't want to do you that, man. <laughs> we'll get into some home prices. Uh, home prices are up six over 6% across the country, man. Um, we're going to get into millennials. 6% what a, from when? Year over year. Okay. Um... What a millionaire recently said to millennials, which will be rather eye-opening to several of them. But uh, we'll get into some uh, supply and demand stuff and so on. But we're going to have to jump out to a break shortly, so we don't want to get into too much and then have to cut away. So let's come back to the home prices. went up 6.15% across the country year over year, with Tennessee going up 6.8%, actually 6.9%. And that's the whole state. That's the whole state averaged. And that, and that includes the 1% drop in Memphis. Yes. Prices in Memphis was down 1%. Nashville was up uh, about 10%. Now, if you even take and chop that back or crop it down more, whichever you want to say, drill in even further in the Nashville, what do you say Nashville's up? It's 10%. It's yeah, 10% year over year. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, the, the, the numbers actually just came out and it was 10% year over year. I mean, some agents are now just putting like a 2% increase like monthly almost on stuff. Yeah, monthly, 2%. Like, okay, well, if you look at the past six months trend and do a 2%, I mean, increase, I mean, it's just like. Yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Have you ever seen that before in our market? No. Historically? Has that ever, has there ever been a period like this? I don't know of one. 2006 and 2007, we were seeing about half percent to 1% every month. But this is that's never been this good. It's steady. Yeah. It's steady. Steadily increasing. Yeah. Yeah. The supply it? is not overrun. I mean, it's just the, the supply is still short. Right. Well, if you want to check into this a little bit further, you can go out to the website. Uh, the Federal Housing Finance Agency put this out. And I mean, it's, it's insane when you start to really drill down and understand these numbers. But yet at the same time, when you understand these numbers, you understand why millionaires and billionaires are telling millennials to do what they're telling them to do. So we'll pick up on that when we come back from the break. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things over real estate. And before the break, we were starting to talk about, or I mentioned to you about what did a millionaire recently say to a millennial? And first and foremost, what's a millennial? Somebody born in the... Come on. What year? These young people in the office. 2000 and up? No. No. 99? 99 to 2000. Close. Yeah, it's lower than that. Is it? Is it 90? Too low. 80? It's pretty much anybody under 30. Yeah. 90? Generation, I mean, Generation Y, the millennial, next generation is anybody that had a birth started in 1980 to 1995. All right. So, Andrew, what year are you born? 79. No, she's not a millennial. Oh, you're yep. a child. She's, a, she's Generation X. Dude, uh, you're one year off from that, though. <laughs> I thought millennials were, I thought that they're, we, I, I don't you know. You better be embracing it. I'm not a millennial. You're, yeah, you're, you're cl- This is just a rough. Look at her arguing range. with you, just I like a millennial. It's like 10 more years <laughs> out. I've also Googled this. Just, just so you know, for all the millennials that are listening, I will gladly treat you like an adult because apparently Andrew's going to be offended by it. No, that's not. <laughs> whatever. All emails and complaints can go to Andrew Brewer or at gmail.com. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, a millennial, we, we've got that taken care of. But uh, what did a millionaire say to millennials in, as a whole? Well, there's a self made millionaire named David Bach. And you may ask, who in the world is David Bach? Well, he is a self-made millionaire who has written nine consecutive New York Times bestsellers. His book, The Automatic Millionaire, spent 31 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. Wow. He is one of the only business authors in history to have four books simultaneously on the New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Business Week, and USA Today's bestsellers list. He is con- uh, he's been a contributor on the NBC show, the actually the NBC Today show, appearing more than a hundred times. Um, and then he's been on a- uh, CBS, Fox, CNBC, CNN, Yahoo, The View, the uh, PBS, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. From- I know what he said to the millennial. Buy my books. <laughs> Smart he guy. apparently already has that message up because he has. 31 top sellers. Yeah, see? It worked. Did he make his money selling books, or did he actually do something else? I didn't do all the research into that to know exactly where everything came from, but he goes on to explain the biggest single mistake millennials are making is not purchasing a home because buying real estate is an escalator to wealth. Hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. I I mean, pretty much anybody that's got lots of money, a lot of it's been invested in real estate. Yeah. And they go, he goes on to state, if millennials don't buy a home, their chances of having any wealth in this country is little to none. The average homeowner, the average homeowner today is 30 times more wealthier than a renter. Yeah. And then he goes on to state, as a renter, we've discussed this before on the show, as a renter, you can easily spend up to a half a million dollars, $500,000, a half a mil, or more on rent over the years as a renter. And that basically just simple math of $1,500 a month over 30 years equals $540,000 that you throw away. It's been a long time since I've read the number, so I don't remember exactly what the number was. Um, But there was another study that was done about people who own a home versus rent. 
And people who own a home, their children are something like eight times more likely to go to college. College, yeah. Yeah. I've and that, seen that. that's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. The, the simple act of, of buying a home is going to change your mm-hmm. family like that. Uh, the interesting, you, you're talking about how you build wealth, and, and we were talking about appreciation. Years ago, when I lived in Maryland, a good friend of mine came to me, and I don't do, gen- I have a license, but I don't do general real estate. But she, She's a very good friend of mine. She said, please help me find the house. I've been looking, 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 looking. I'm get over into Scott's territory soon. But the husband said to me, her husband said, I don't want to live where they have those stupid rules that i got to follow the HOA rules. <laughs> uh, this and, is the segue into Scott. Yes, yes. <laughs> Here comes the hate I mail. get that on occasion, too. And, and, and so, oh, yeah, you, you hear it all the time. Oh, I don't want to live where they got those stupid rules. I don't want to, I want to, it's my house. I want to do what I want to do. Okay. So I pulled up, you know, you know how it is. You pull up the, the six houses you're going to go look at. And there would be the big house for the, the the price we were looking for. I think the price at the time was 180, and then there would be the smaller house, price at 180, and then there'd be the big house, price at 180, and then there'd be the smaller house at 180. And so we started with the big house, and we as we're driving through the neighborhood, the husband says, "Oh, we don't need to get out of the car. I'm not living here." <laughs> so then we go to the smaller house and we drive in the neighborhood. Oh, it's nice. We walk in. The home's a little smaller than we want. And I said, now, I got to tell you, Kent, Kent's guy, I said, it's got an HOA. It's got rules. You got to follow the rules. Oh, I don't want to live where they got rules. This is kind of a nice neighborhood. Let's go ahead and look at the house. Okay. So then rules. the next house we went to, big house. Again, didn't even get out of the car. I'm not even sure we made it to the house. Right, because we drove by a house that had a satellite dish, not the little itty bitty satellite Big. dish, but the eight foot round satellite <laughs> wow. dish. How with long the... ago was this? <laughs> yeah, this was a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Years. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. It was twenty some years ago, and it had had a bus with no wheels oh, on block. Nice. A bus, a, re- a a big yellow school bus. Nice. Oh yeah, we don't need to get out of the car. Okay, <laughs> all right. And so we did that through six houses, three with an HOA, three without. And every time we get to the one with the HOA, they get out of the car. And so that's what I want. We're talking about building wealth. Yes. It seems like a, it doesn't seem intuitive to people in general to think that if I live in a neighborhood that has good rules and, and follows the rules, that my house will appreciate better mm-hmm. because I don't have to worry about what my neighbor's going to do. Right. Because your neighbor will impact your value. So, Absolutely. Scott, can you oh, yeah. tell Absolutely. us a little bit more what you think about what I just said? Well, that's very true. A lot of people forget to mention that people move into a homeowners association because they see the value in that. And and that's why many homeowner associations, most of them are so adamant about enforcing the rules is that most of the people who move into a homeowners association do so because they want that protection of having Mm -hmm. rules and regulations and covenants in place. And you can drive around Nashville in some places that don't have a homeowners association, just like you mentioned, and you'll see a huge boat in the front yard, uh, in Green Hills, where I live, there's a uh, on one of the streets. There's a boat in the front yard on uh, on a <laughs> massive trailer, and it's been there. It's the silliest looking thing, and uh, that's why a lot of people want to move in. And yeah. so, that's the part of it. That's the one of the many value adds that a homeowner association has that people some, doesn't make the paper because yeah, it's not. Right. It doesn't sell. It's not. And it's an it, and it's a visual thing. It's an intuitive thing. It's not even. It's something that you could definitely study and demonstrate appreciation values with and without an association. But it's not something that just jumps out at you 
But let me tell you, when you drive into a neighborhood where the rules are either aren't enforced or the rules don't exist, mm-hmm. you wow. can tell right away. Yeah, uh, I yeah. showed a house Saturday in Franklin, and we we drove out there, and you know Franklin's pretty much pretty nice. And as we're driving out there, I was like, oh, I never knew those slums in Franklin. <laughs> so we pull into this neighborhood, and the little neighborhood sign is like faded, letters falling off. I mean, it's like seen better days twenty years ago, and. I was like, I didn't even know there were rough neighborhoods out here. And they were like, we don't even need to go in. This is this is enough. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it a homeowners association? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was really. But the rules weren't being enforced. No. And uh, it was just yeah. run yeah. down and awful. Yeah. And on the flip side, the same people who I've been showing forever. I just did a second showing and wrote an offer this morning on a gated community in Brentwood. Yeah. We yep. pull in. Children are playing in the streets. It's just it's yep. lovely. It's well-maintained. Yep. And it's actually a smaller house, but they, they love the neighborhood. I mean, yeah. they're like, I'll yeah. take less house to have this. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's the HOA. So so with that start, Scott, try to quickly tell us, what is Gertner? What does Gertner do? But I am Gertner. You're yes, looking at Gertner. Uh, <laughs> I know. Gertner and Company is a property management company. It's uh, founded by my father almost 50 years ago, around the same time he founded me, I guess. Uh, he was <laughs> needing to pay for diapers at the time. And we are the management company for the Homeowner Association. So the boards of directors hire us to really be, in essence, the business office. So what, you, so what you just said there, the board of directors hires us. Correct. We'll get back to what that yeah, means. That's good. We'll get back from the break. All right. Yeah, when we come back from the break, we're going to get into this a little bit more. And, you know, you hear good things and you hear bad things. But just as we were discussing, man, there's more good things that come out from an HOA than you will have bad things by far. So you, we got to jump out to this break. We'll be back here in a few minutes. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll talk to you in a second. I haven't said that to me in a long time. (laughs) You guys will definitely have to go to moneymanmike.net and on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio and figure out what they are just laughing about and nobody has said that to me in a long time. There you go. Quote unquote from Scott. Yes. Hey, you're listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 where we had a good conversation during the break, but uh, man, you got to go to the outtakes because I don't know if the FCC will allow that, will they, Jimmy? (laughs) <laughs> Probably not. I'm yeah. sure the uh, the internet lords may not either. So yeah, we can test right. those a little bit better. Yeah. But during the break, you were saying uh, you were driving through Bellmead and you saw what? I saw a yacht, a up, yacht. On, up on blocks. In Bellmead. Yeah. So I guess they need to complain to the homeowners association. I bet their neighbors hate that. Yes. Especially in Bellmead. <laughs> that's, a, that's a high class problem is what yeah. I said. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, regardless of where you fall, you know, what side of this fence, if you will, on whether you would like or hate, despise, whatever your word of choice may be, your um, view is on an HOA, there, there's so many things that they do to help you more than there is that they do to harm you. And just like David said, man, to keep your value up and so forth, I mean, it's just... It's it's so that that does lead to, that does lead to a great question, right? Because here there's a neighborhood in Bellmead that doesn't have an HOA. Okay, so the question is, Scott, how how does an HOA get started in a community? What happens? How's that work? Well, that's a very good question. It's it really starts uh, with uh, the uh, formation of the association. The lawyers and the developer, who's called legally the declarant create a set of governing documents. If it's a condo, it's a master deed. If it's a subdivision, it's called the uh, CCNRs, Covenants, Conditions, and Restrictions, and Bylaws. It's a corporation, just like 
forming any other corporation, but the purpose of this corporation is to um, maintain the common elements and enforce the rules and regulations. And it really works like a small municipality. I mean, every one of these associations is unique in that regard, and that's what a lot of people forget. What you can do in one association, you may not be able to do in the one next door. It just depends on what is in the governing documents. Tennessee does not have any universal requirements other than just some basic requirements with regard to that. So it's really up to the developer at the beginning about what the association shall serve. So the developer forms an association. Correct. That he's going to deed over the common elements to this association and they're setting up basically a corporation, the association. Correct. And sometimes they work with the builder and sometimes they don't. Is that correct? The uh, the developer? Well, sometimes the developer of the land is not the builder of the actual mm-hmm. homes, and sometimes they are. It just depends on the particular association. Got it, got it. So you may have two parties, but in essence, the the declarant is the one that sets the CCNRs, and it's usually done by an, an attorney, and the developer's basic idea or vision for the community is incorporated into those covenants, conditions, and restrictions. Now, the de- I'm going to ask a leading question, Your Honor. The, <laughs> the, the developer, the declarant, usually keeps pretty tight control over the association for the first majority of the, the, the home building. Is that correct? It depends. Uh, some de- Most developers do. They want to keep control of the association until they have sold the last home yeah. because they uh, have a lot of financial exposure, obviously. You have a construction mm-hmm. loan, a land loan. They're working hard to get the, the homes built, and they don't want anything to really interfere with that. And they also want to make sure that the governing documents with respect to architectural covenants are enforced yeah, on absolutely. the front end because to the extent they are not, it may jeopardize their ability to, to sell, sell the homes yeah. in the community, and it may delegitimize the the whole association if people drive in and see violations when they first yeah. Start driving right. through. And, that makes sense. And most builders or developers or both have a tendency to be extra strict. Um, and the reason is pretty straightforward. It's like what you were talking about. You're setting the precedent on the front end. Yeah. And so it's much easier for a board of directors to soften the rules. Like they can say, we're not going to allow any outbuildings. And then later on say, you know, we've changed our mind. We're going to let you have an outbuilding if it's no bigger than this and it's this, the color matches the house or whatever. We're going to change the rule to soften it. Then it is to go the other way because once you've allowed those outbuildings, the sheds or whatever, it's next to impossible to go to the next group of people and say, no, you, we know we, we let them have one, but you can't have one. Yeah. Yes, very hard to undo that yeah. decision. And so as someone who's been on the board of directors as a builder – we always want to be stricter. We want to be as strict as the guidelines will possibly allow us to be because we don't want to set a tone for the people who live in the neighborhood that they don't want to maintain. They may want to be strict. They may. They usually don't. They usually start to soft those rules up. Do you find that, that usually? Yeah, when- well, David, I'd, I'd love to brag on you. You're one of the better developers out there because you, you take an active interest in the association, and, and most of our good developers do. There are some out there that really don't care. They just want to sell the homes and move on, and if someone wants to pay a high price mm-hmm. for a home, they may look the other way if the fence is put in the wrong way or something like yeah. that, and that's where – you, you, Like you said, they're making a decision today that's going to affect the community for the long term. So I applaud you, David, and, and some of your peers who 
really take the time to understand the implications of what a homeowners association is. You get a lot of value also for the fact that there's usually some amenities included in a homeowners association, and the cost of that is divided by 200 homes or 300 homes versus if you had your own pool or your own walking trails to maintain. Think of all of the great things that you can own in common for a cheaper price because you have so many people contributing versus just you. So that's another big, powerful economic benefit of these associations. So let's roll back just real quick because you just said something that's really fantastic. And I think that unless we stop for a second, it's going to go past people. Sometimes you'll hear, oh, Gertner is a terrible HOA. Never. (laughs) Right. And then other times you go, oh, Gertner is great. And what I think people miss is what you said quickly is that the management company, Gertner as a management company, is simply executing what yeah. the board of directors tells them to execute. That's correct. So if You're like the office administration. We are. Yeah. We have no legal ability to actually make the decisions of an association. It works just like our country. The homeowners every year elect board members mm-hmm. and those board members, kind of like we elect our congressman or our senator, mm-hmm. uh, they go out and make the decisions and then at every election every year, the homeowners can, can vote some people out or put them in. And there's often provisions if you want to throw the whole board out, how to do that. And uh, and then we administer those decisions. We give a lot of advice to boards of directors because mm-hmm. we've been in different situations mm-hmm. and can counsel them on what we've seen. Right. But ultimately, the decision is the board member. We are not empowered to make decisions unilaterally. So if, so if someone's issue with their HOA is that I sent in my request – and the board never got back, or the, the management company never got back to me, what they're really saying is the board never got back to them. Correct. It's, Don't shoot the messenger. So in. you're the bad guy <laughs> for no reason. Well, and in defense of our boards, um, we do make mistakes too. So sometimes <laughs> well, sometimes we may not have answered the letter. I don't want to blame, you know, say everything yeah. good happens is us and everything bad is them. Well, it's a collaborative yes. effort and uh, it's a partnership. And uh, But, yeah, I've been at a grocery store and someone has heard my name uh, – they have said you pulled all the speed bumps out of our community, and I can't stand it. And yeah. you know, I have to say, well, like I you went out there and did it, right? Yourself. Right. I was like, well, there was actually a vote on that, and it passed. You know, speed yeah. bumps are a big. Yeah. There's no yeah. way to win on that. Yeah. Or, or you, somebody's going to be happy, and somebody's going to be mad. Exactly, and it's always like a 51 percent vote. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like that, like everything in America now. Yeah. I, I wanted to paint my house pink, and you told me I couldn't do it. Yeah, you didn't tell them. The board did. Well, right. in essence, yes, because we don't. I you mean, just we don't made the rules. We we are there. And, and think of it this way. And this is why we have job security or any management company does. If you move into a homeowners association and you volunteer to be on your board, remember, it's not a paid position. Are you going to want to be the one to actually send the letter to your neighbor and say you can't have that fence or uh, we're going to have to put a lien on your home because you haven't paid your dues in a year right. or all of those things? So the hope is that we can bring an impartial business-like approach for the boards of directors to carry out their position. And that's that's the role of our company or any management yeah. company. You just mentioned one of the biggest benefits that gets undersold on having a management, having an HOA. If your neighbor puts <laughs> the lawn art, the <laughs> awful lawn art, the big the pink yacht with the swan. The it's always the swan. swan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We love <laughs> swans or flamingos. Yeah. Puts that out. You don't have to go have a confrontation with your neighbor. Yeah. No. You call your management company. Then they're the like, management I know company. they're the ones that called and told me I couldn't have my flamingo. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. <laughs> but yeah. they can do that, but they don't know. But they, they don't, don't actually know. Yeah. yeah. True that. They're speculating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we come back, I do want to talk about 
what they should look at when they're buying a house. Well, you take us to break then, David. Well, okay. Well, this is the Money Man Mike Show <laughs> on WLAC 1510. With Scott Gertner is the special guest. There you go. <laughs> Boom. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, Jimmy got us again. <laughs> Coming out of the break and popping one in our ears here, man. Hey, you listen to the Money Man Mike Show here at News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we are talking all things real estate. And this morning we are talking HOAs, homeowners associations, with Mr. Scott Gurner himself. The man that started it all. Well, actually, your dad started it all. He did. Yeah. I been, just showed up. There you go. <laughs> now, David had a question for you, I believe. Yeah, you know, we were talking a little bit about HOAs and how they get formed, but also if you're buying a, a resale or you're buying even a new home, one of the things that, you know, you want to look at the rules. Everybody knows to look at the rules to find out what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Actually, not well, everyone does. Yeah, that. Say, there's a lot of rule breakers. Uh, you walked into that one. I'm your realtor, hopefully, if they're doing a good job. That gets filed, man. They, they don't look at that send them book. to you and say, you need to look these over. This is your HOA, Covenants and Restrictions. You're That's right. like when so we send them mortgage docs. Hey, yes. check these out. And they never review them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're right. So, Andrew, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask okay. a question. Boom. I know I'm setting you up, and I'm apologizing. Yeah. When was the last time you asked to see the balance sheet of an HOA before the person bought it? Never. I can answer that. No, actually, probably a few years ago because I had like a really um, very detailed buyer who knew to ask these things. Mm -hmm. So, what, Scott, what do I learn if I do ask to see that balance sheet? That's a huge, huge issue. You know, um, many people fail to ask that question. We um, have many associations that do not have enough in reserve. You know, that's the American way right now. You know, we don't need a Social Security fund. We just borrow and issue bonds, yeah. and they're bought by the Chinese and whoever else buys them. Unfortunately, no homeowners association can issue bonds that will be bought by mm-hmm. the world. <laughs> Investors out there, and people forget that. So when an HOA needs to replace a pool or replace a roof, if it's a condo association, or replace the pavement, they should have a sinking fund in place where they've been raising their dues over the last 20 years, putting it into that fund so that they don't have to have a massive assessment. But the American way, as we know, is to kick Mm -hmm. kick the can down the road, keep the dues low, no, you know, every president of a homeowners association runs on a campaign of no new taxes. And so that's why you get a lot of associations that fall into the mm-hmm. situation where they don't have enough in reserve to cover those things. So it's very important for you as the buyer yeah. to be aware of what those Now, I do are. ask if there's anything coming up and what's planned for the fiscal year. I just didn't word it as, can I see a copy of your balance sheet or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of lenders will, reco- will they have us do a yeah. lot of work at closing. Yeah. They fill, have us fill out a lot of forms. And one of those questions is, are there any assessments yeah. coming down the pike? That's something I definitely always yeah. ask. And, and we yeah. recommend every association we manage have what's called a reserve study, which is where an engineering firm comes in, looks at the common elements, looks at the cash on the balance sheet, and tells them, here's where you're off by this amount, and here's why. And at least then, if people want to make the decision to not raise the dues, at least everybody's on notice. And they here's all the report, and we can send it to everybody. But And, and so, so I, when you're for buying a home, I would, I would tell you, ask for a balance sheet. Okay, ask for the reserve study if it exists. Correct. If it does exist, start to feel really good. Yes. And ask for an income statement. 
Yes. And ask not only for the current income statement if you're closing in June, but ask for last year's December income statement as well. Correct. That's a very good idea. Now, if you're buying a place that has an HOA and you're the buyer or the realtor, can I just call whoever is in charge of it and ask for that and they'd release it? You know, it's interesting. There is the Condominium Act of 2009 that was passed in Tennessee requires that any information on a condominium be provided to any I think the word is interested party, meaning okay. someone who's, and it's really not defined clearly, but you as a realtor would have a legitimate reason, reason to, to have that. Okay. And uh, and so actually that re, re, that's in regard to the minutes of the association on a condominium. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't apply to homeowner associations. Okay. It just applies to condos. But if you can get that information, it, if you don't know how to read it, and I, I imagine most people don't know how to read a balance sheet or an income statement, just take it to your tax professional and ask them to look at it real quick. And, and call David them. Lukey, and he'll help David you David will out. help you. <laughs> <laughs> but we uh, we keep our financials on a cash basis of accounting, so it's very simple. Yeah. And it's just money in, money out. And we try to load as much information on our website as possible about each of the associations we manage. So if you go to Gertner.com, you don't even have to have a passcode or anything. And a lot of realtors use our site. Uh, you enter the name of the community, and if we manage it, you can pull up the CCNRs or the master deed. You can get what I call the skinny, a little grid that's got the scoop on the association. Is there a pool? What are the dues? And all of that stuff. So we try to put as much as out, out there on the shelf so, for people to grab at. So, so, Andrew, I will tell you, a thousand homes that I have sold in the Nashville area, a thousand, I have never been asked for a balance sheet or an income statement. Hmm. And I, it, it's surprising to me. I know when I bought my home, I did. Now, I, I bought six lots in the neighborhood that I live in now, so I, I, I had even more interest in knowing what was going on. Yeah. But it, they, don't, they don't look, and then, then they close, and then they get hit with the assessment six months later, and they're shocked. Yeah. In Tennessee, to its credit, is a pro-business, non-regulatory mm-hmm. type of state, and um, uh, Florida is highly regulated, Florida requires reserve studies. Florida requires all kinds of disclosures. I think Florida probably is too far the other way so that it's cumbersome. And um, Tennessee is a buyer beware state typically with with regard Mm -hmm. to homeowner associations. They're like, y'all are big boys and girls. These are contracts. I mean, really, CCNRs are contracts. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're buying a house or a condo, you need to look into this because it's a big investment. Now, is Gertner only in Tennessee? We are um, basically, yes. We're, okay. we're in Middle Tennessee, Clarksville, Murfreesboro, Mount Juliet, Bellevue, all the good stuff. Uh, gotcha. We do have some some property in Kentucky. I think we're going to be managing some stuff in Kentucky, but Tennessee and Kentucky, but gotcha. mostly Tennessee. Cool. So from a budgetary point of view, you know, and a lender's point of view, when a lender's sitting there asking for um, if a condo is approved or a development's approved, from a lending point of view, from Fannie, Freddie, and so forth, FHA, if a development has not renewed their approval, then that's basically just their way of saving money, which at the same time, I can't fault you for that because if you've got an existing development that's been closed and you've just got a few resales. Let's, let's go back and kind of, I think we might be a little in the weeds. Let's go explain this. Some neighborhoods, because there's so many renters, as one of the examples, there's so many rentals in the neighborhood, they lose their FHA certification so that you can't buy a home with an FHA loan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And so the question that you're driving at, I think, is 
why does the HOA let that happen? Why does the homeowner association let that happen? And what can be done to remedy it? Is that That's correct? That's a better way to say it, yeah. Well, and it's really a bigger issue from 10,000 feet up. We see this on the HOA side and on the condo side. The, remember after 08, mm-hmm. when the big crisis hit, FHA was taken over by FIFA. You know, they yeah. created a whole new organization. And um, it used to be that when one condo unit was approved for FHA, the whole place was. It right. just it, that that unit was, so they gave it to the whole place. Then in '08, when the crisis hit and and they all went under, and the government took it over. Uh, it became a different process where everybody was at zero and you had to reapply and no one ever got that notice in the mail. So a lot of boards were freaking out because all of a sudden they weren't FHA approved and we nobody got a notice. Mm-hmm. It just happened. So we had to go through that process again. But one of the questions that comes up in condos now, they actually say that at least 10 percent of the dues have to go into a reserve account. Uh, that's oh, wow. one of the questions. And, and to me, that's that. a bit arbitrary. I mean, how, how do you know what revenue amount is necessary until you look at what's in the bank account? Yeah. But the government, as I understand, really doesn't care what's in the bank account. It's just an arbitrary 10% of the dues need to be going into it's an easy a calculation. reserve account. Yeah. So it's exactly. You can just put – you can do that real quick and you don't have to get into, well, mm-hmm. do they have enough money in place? But um, so, so we are set up to help our customers – work that process and, and get reapproved. But now with the rental, like you said, the rental situation, rental homes are bigger now than ever with Airbnb and with yeah. now the uh, publicly traded real estate investment trust that focus on buying houses. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, we didn't have a company coming in and buying 12 homes mm-hmm. in a 200 right. home community and doing rentals there. That just didn't happen. Right. I mean, there might be mom and pop investor who would do that, but these this is nationwide made companies. Nationwide oh, companies yeah. that are on the New York Stock Exchange. So this is having a huge impact on our communities because most of the people who bought into these homes, these are neighborhoods, 300, 200 homes, even 100 homes, and all of a sudden they've got renters coming in and out. Not just one home, but every street has one or two. Right. And governing that and regulating that is taking a whole new chapter for our clients. Yeah. It's a challenge. So who actually writes up that to where, like, you know, some condos, it can only be 10% investor or, you know, whatever percentages. Who is that part of the HOA that comes it's up It's not the HOA typically. Typically that is a, a government-backed lender is saying, we don't really want to make loans to a place that is a rental community because okay. we perceive it as more vulnerable to values yeah. going down okay. versus – and so they have some benchmarks. It can't be more than 10% or mm-hmm. – whatever the number is. 25 and, or, and it's yeah. a very difficult situation for a board of directors because they're limited on how they can – to rent your home out is almost a, a, a right of ownership. Mm-hmm. And so you get into some legal questions of how much – unless the governing documents – now, some governing documents state there will only be X number of rentals in this community. We have some communities, some of the high-rises we manage, you have to apply for a permit. Yeah, and there's, there's only like a wait list. There's, and, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's a wait list and there's 20 permits. And, and, and it's so, a big deal. I mean, if you – in neighborhoods where they lose the FHA certification or where it becomes more and more rentals, property values do start to drop. Yeah. And they don't drop a little bit. I mean, they drop, they drop. Yeah. And, until they until it reaches that stable point and then – Sometimes you see the the investors start selling them, and then that and then it gets FHA certified again, and it goes back up. Oh yeah, it's a it's a difficult. Yeah, definitely not a cycle. The, you the want condo to over on West Mead was a good example of that. Okay, years ago. Years yeah. ago. Yeah. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. 
If you've missed any part of the show or you missed uh, any of the previous week's show, you can go out to moneymanmike.net or out on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio. Again, moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio. Catch up on any part of the show, the outtakes, and also the conversations that took place today's show. Oh, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Scott, beware. <laughs> that mic was hot. You guys have a good one. We're out.